Welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. Uh, today we have a special episode with uh, one of our very active participants in the Mandarin Blueprint Method course. We're very excited to have Ija on the line with us. And, um, you know, Ija, you've been on the course now. When did you start the Mandarin Blueprint Method course? I started on the 14th of May, 2019. Okay, gotcha. So about two and a half months. So that's awesome. Okay, cool. So uh, before we get into any of the details about how you've been doing with the course and all of that, could you um, tell the uh, podcast audience a little bit about yourself and, you know, what maybe a little bit about how you ended up wanting to learn Mandarin? Okay. So hi, everyone. My name is Isha. I'm 30-something years old. I have three kids and I live in this beautiful country called Malaysia. I live in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And um, I just finished medical school last year. So now I'm taking a break to take care of my children. So mm. I thought, I have all this free time, might as well learn something. So it's, right. I decided to learn Chinese. Sure, sure. In Malaysia, uh, there's a lot of Mandarin speakers. Am I, am I right about that? Uh, I would say that about 15%. Right, it's, right. It's yeah. almost like uh, Spanish in America, I guess. Or sure. French in Canada. Yeah, yeah. I, I visited Malaysia um, uh, oh, really? back in 20, yeah back in 2012. I've I've been to Kuala Lumpur and I also went to the um, the Borneo side of Malaysia. Oh, over beautiful. In, um, yeah. yeah, so beautiful. The the rainforest there was breathtaking, yeah. and uh, there was a lot of English speakers there, which was uh, you know good for me <laughs> at the time. I didn't, at the time, I didn't speak Chinese very well yet. So, um, but I'm sure it'll be super useful for you there if you can uh, speak Chinese well. So that's awesome. So. Uh, so you were in medical school before, so that yeah. must have been, I'm not, I'm actually curious. A lot of medical students tend to use, um, spaced repetition flashcards. Did you ever use mm -hmm. them before Mandarin Blueprint? I knew about it, but I didn't know how oh, okay. to use it. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, so there you I, go. So I yeah, I used memorize for a bit, uh, but it was to remember things like pharmaceutical drugs and things like that. Sure, sure, yeah. I thought that was an interesting thing. I mean, theoretically, <laughs> anybody could use space repetition to remember any set of facts, but it tends to be language learners and medical students medical for whatever students. reason. This <laughs> is kind of interesting. So, yeah, that's really cool. So, that's awesome. So, you're in a situation where, you know, you're, uh, you have a lot of responsibilities, but you do have some time at home. And so, like, an online course would be the perfect type of thing. So, uh, what so it sounds like you weren't necessarily facing any kind of specific problem. You just sort of were interested in learning something new, something that would kind of uh, expand your, you know, I guess, your uh, your skill set and all of that. And so you decided to, to learn Mandarin. Why did you land on, was it just because of the 15% population in Malaysia that speaks Mandarin? Or was there any other reasons that made you specifically interested in that language as opposed to, I don't know, Spanish or any other language? Okay, I have a little secret. I originally sure. wanted to learn Cantonese. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah because in Kuala Lumpur uh, you are more likely to hear Cantonese on the street mm -hmm. rather than Mandarin and Mandarin okay. is considered as an uh, as a more academic language rather than a street language so if right. you want to talk to people you should learn Cantonese rather than Mandarin but then mm -hmm. I thought that it's very hard for me to learn Cantonese uh, online because mm -hmm. you need to talk to people in order to learn a dialect uh, there's not much written content out there to learn Cantonese Mm -hmm. So I guess it's a, a, a much more practical choice to learn Mandarin rather than Cantonese. I'll, I'll come back to Ma Cantonese later. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, I'll it's do, much I'll easier to learn first. Cantonese from Mandarin than it is to, you know, learn it from, from scratch. So. Uh, yep, that's true. 
Yeah. There's a lot of similarities. Whenever I listen to Cantonese, even though I can't speak Cantonese, I will, I'll feel like I can understand. It's this weird phenomenon where I'm thinking this sounds familiar and I can't actually understand it, but it, it is, I know that if I started to learn it, it would, wouldn't take very much time. You know, if I wanted to say like seatbelt in Mandarin, that's Anxuan Dai. But I heard on a plane mm-hmm. one time going to Hong Kong, uh, they were like, Anxuan Dai. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, so that's how they say seatbelt. And it's very similar. Mm-hmm. But then other words are totally different. But, you know, it's, uh, it's quite an interesting <laughs> dialect. Uh, you know, some of my friends really like it. I'm not sure whether or not I like how Cantonese sounds. It's kind of, it's growing on me, though, a little bit. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's yeah. Cantonese, Cantonese is a lot closer to my heart than <laughs> Finn. <laughs> because well, I grew up in Kuala Lumpur. Yeah. Sure. And there are a lot sure. of um, Hong Kong movies and, and music out there. So mm. more Cantonese mm. for me previously. But now I'm consuming a lot of uh, Mandarin materials that they are both almost equal now in terms of right. um, amount. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So obviously you'll, you'll expand to Cantonese, but what else do you plan on doing, you know, as you get more and more literate and fluent in Mandarin? Any other, do you have any goals that you're going to specifically pursue or do you want to just keep it open-ended? Uh, what are you thinking? Um, okay, so I have two goals for Mandarin. Actually, I have a lot of goals for Mandarin. <laughs> so for Cantonese, I want to reach a conversational level, which is um, uh, uh, as long as, I think it's European standard. I think it's about B2 level. But mm. I really, really want to be good. I really want to be great at Mandarin. I want to be able to present things at an international level uh, using Mandarin, um, maybe on uh, medical things like medical presentation and things like that. Being able to read medical journals um, in Chinese, that would be great. In terms yeah. of leisure, um, I love writing jokes. <laughs> so probably... <laughs> I, can, uh, I, I can tell. Yeah. Uh, I, I really want to go to one of Dashan's uh, show and be able to understand each and every single uh, language references and cultural uh, references and mm. probably be good enough to write jokes at that level. Yeah, that okay. is a high level. If you can do jokes, yeah. if you can do humor, that's always very high. Yeah. So, like, I, and I'm sure you'll be able to do it. That's 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 awesome. So, <laughs> medical speeches, speeches about medical issues, and presentations, <laughs> and joke writing. So that's <laughs> good. Writing, yeah. The bar high, but that's awesome. That's going to keep you going. Yeah, yeah. I'm inspired by a couple of people. Really, there's there's a doctor in in the UK called I think his name is Adam K or something. He mm. he was a doctor before he quit and. Um, is currently doing comedy and there are a lot of people like that like Dr. Uh, like Dr. Kim I know Dr. Ken in the US mm-hmm. he was also a practicing yeah. doctor and quit and become a comedian because I think that yeah. the, the skill set is almost the same I guess there's, there's something about medicine that makes you um, think in a very different way mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I guess that will work out in, in the end I guess I, I don't know <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's such a cool goal. I haven't heard anybody say that goal yet for uh, you know from our past clients. So that's really cool. I'll be curious <laughs> to see how you keep doing that. And I'm and I have no trouble believing that your sense of humor will be a good guide for you because you know, I think sense of humor is to a large degree. Uh, you know, it's like some of it is language specific. You know, if a language restricts mm-hmm. a certain type of thinking, then maybe it's hard to be yeah. funny in certain ways. But there's a huge aspect of it that's kind of universal and everybody just finds certain things funny. So I'm sure that, cause you know, I've laughed more <laughs> reading scenes that you've submitted than probably anybody else uh, because uh-huh. you just have a very good sense of humor. So that's quite, that's quite nice. So, um, so it seems that you've probably done a lot of uh, traveling before. So have you done a lot of international travel in the past? Uh, unfortunately, no, I've only been to Japan once, oh, okay. uh, which 
which uh, made me realize that I could pick up characters very, very fast. It was more of a survival thing. Um, right. We had to take buses from Yokohama to Tokyo, uh, take the subway and everything. And there were uh, very little English in Japan. So I ended up memorizing the characters and wow. studying about the characters. So this is, okay, this is, uh, this is Shinagawa. So this is uh, the, the river and this is like a forest or something. And mm. until today, I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe I, I'm, 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 I'm okay with characters. Maybe I, I shouldn't be afraid of it because... Right. Yeah, because I, I, I could remember about 10 characters in two weeks uh, mm. when I was in Japan. Out of, like, it's more for survival, <laughs> for survival reason, but it's, it's stuck with me until today. So I guess I, I was not afraid of characters at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, another place, yeah, yeah, another place was right. Australia last year, but those are the two only countries I've been to. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I well, learned English I here that. in California. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The reason I thought that was because <laughs> your your scenes that you've submitted to remember the characters are so packed with all of these cultural references. So I thought, oh, for sure, you probably travel a lot. But it sounds like maybe you've just taken in a fair bit of, uh, uh, you know, media or music or movies or things like that. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So have you, have you watched a fair bit of media, you know, like sort of, uh, I don't know, because again, I'm just pointing out that your scenes are so filled with so many references. Like you had that scene about Freddie Mercury and I was like, okay, so you must've, uh, you know, listened to Queen or maybe seen that movie that came out recently. So do you, are you a fan of like movies or music or things like that? Yeah, I haven't seen the movie. Oh no. <laughs> I haven't seen it either. <laughs> I just remember. I really, want, I, yeah, yeah. I really want to see the movie. I don't have the time. To do so maybe later maybe later today uh gotcha. and gotcha. Uh, specifically have uh specifically uh for example u.s history right i did not open a book yeah. and learn about u.s history i learned it from a musical <laughs> oh was it what hamilton yeah, yeah i learned it from hamilton what happened was i was so obsessed with hamilton for six months it was right, hamilton right. soundtrack uh the cast recording every day <laughs> yeah. every every day all day and mm. What I did was I went to genius.com and went through one by line, line by line and, and see uh, what, what, what are, were the meanings for these lines or why, why did he say this? What happened during that time? So it, it, it's like learning all these things about US history that I did not have to do. I, I, I didn't even have to learn it. But I right, did it right. out of curiosity and interest because, okay, one thing led to another. Now I know a lot of things. Um, at first, I just put it aside, like, why, why am I remembering all of this? I'm not sitting for an exam or anything. But mm -hmm. then um, Mandarin Different Method came about and said, oh, I could use this, this, this knowledge that I put aside um, and incorporate it to my scenes. Now I remember both better. And yeah. it's such a weird thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is surprising, isn't it? Like, you know, you think that was the thing that I found to be so, uh, I guess, enlightening for myself when I was sort of starting to see how this method could work. Uh, you know, many years back. And one of the things that really just struck me is I was like, oh, I've got all of these things that meant a lot to me from my past, whether it was <laughs> something like Hamilton or, 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 you know, some kind of media or an experience I had or a place that I've been to. And it's like all of these things are potential hooks to attach something yep. new. And uh, that was something that really, you know, I think it's kind of a shame that our educational systems don't seem to totally grasp that idea um yeah. but you know, as adults we can do it however we want with the uh, online learning so it's pretty cool in that sense 
So yeah, I wish yeah. that that the Malaysian history was written in musical so that I could learn better about mm. our forefathers. Uh, maybe maybe Benjamin Franklin musical. Waiting for Lin Manuel Miranda <laughs> to write that. <laughs> I'm looking that, forward to yeah, that. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's yeah. awesome because it's like if the musical, you know, if the musical um, genre, it, if it grabs you, you know, like I've I've enjoyed quite a few um, musicals uh, before, and I've seen a few Broadway shows, and uh, it's if it grabs you, then it doesn't really. It's like the, you'll learn whatever content's in it because it's not even a, for the content that you're going there. But then, you know, you end up learning the content anyway. So it's kind of like masking this education with like a really enjoyable set of uh, actors and songs and things like that. So hence, you know, why we do movies to remember uh, <laughs> Chinese characters. So um, speaking of, so you have been doing the course since uh, for about two and a half months. Uh, where are you in the course now? Uh, level 33. I have three wow. months ago. Wow. That's, so, aw that's awesome. So, that, so basically the expansion. <laughs> yes. Yes. We are working on it. I, we are working on it. It's a, uh, it's a lot to consider, but it's going pretty well. But still, though, uh, that means that you'll probably get through the whole thing within three months, which makes me really curious about your um, a few aspects of it and your, your feelings about it. But tell me a little bit about um, when you first started learning about the Hanza movie method. And you know, when you first started learning about it and the, using this mnemonic technique to remember the components of the character, the pinyin, uh, the opinion initial and final, and of course the tone and the meaning of the character. About how long did it take before you felt like you understood how the method works and therefore could just you know move a lot faster through each character? Yeah, at first when I came in, because I I already did, not not did, I already studied HSK 1 and 2 uh, okay. when I came in. And I hmm. thought, why do I have to have all this elaborate scene to remember sure <laughs> like <laughs> 10 how hard it how hard is it to, to write two lines then right right uh, exactly but, but but then i stumbled upon the first character i have i have not encountered before it was xiong xiong di the xiong it was character i can't remember which character which which order but it was earlier on mm -hmm. um and the method really shined um, in terms of recall, because oh, okay, I can remember this. It's not very hard. It's just a box and two um, legs at the bottom. But right. later during recall, it's like, oh, I can't remember which character was it. Like, what, what, what were the props? Okay, hang on. It was Shakira um, in mm -hmm. front of my ONG ward. Uh, what was she doing? Oh, there was a mouth there and Dash yeah. uh, running around and said, oh, okay, now I remember everything. Oh, it's so magical uh, uh, to remember all this without. Um, writing it over and over again. So it was early on that I thought that, okay, maybe this has a lot of potential. But I mm -hmm. started to um, realize that, oh, I think this is really, really good. After, which character was it? It was me uh, for Rice. Oh, right, yeah. Sure. yeah, it was character 100 something. Uh, That's me, when I. 104, yeah. Okay, that was the, the, the character that, that, that made me realize, oh, if I. If I if I write a good enough scene, mm -hmm. and it's it's memorable, then then you don't have to. There are actually very little effort in recalling it later on. I can still remember the scene until today. That's one of yeah. the first. Um, how how do I call it? The scenes with the uh, a, a very obvious logical connection, because it, a scene can just be random objects doing random things, right? But that was right. the first thing that I ever wrote um, that has uh, a logical connection, and I, I I can't forget it until today, which is which is mm. great. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, it's that's something that uh, you know some of the scenes you'll remember forever. Some of them <laughs> you'll, you'll lose, but it doesn't matter because you've already seen the character in yeah. uh, you know context of sentences and paragraphs and stories and stuff. And so you know it won't really matter so much that you've forgotten the scene. But uh, it's those scenes where you really make the logical connection so clearly. It's like one of the things I feel about it is it's like it's almost like, how, does, how do people not know how easy this is to remember things? <laughs> because this is so simple. You just imagine simple things happening in yeah. a room that's easy to remember, with a person that's easy to remember, with things that are easy to remember. And so it's just like, uh, you know, the other day we had a client uh, named John who has been working on the course while he's doing his security job. So he has like mm -hmm. many hours where he's just sitting uh, waiting to do things. And he said, he mm -hmm. said about it, he was like, I almost want to say that it's effortless. I mean, it's not technically effortless because you have to think, you know, about like, uh, where am I and what's happening? But he said it's like kind of just pleasurable because, you know, how hard is it to just think about people, you know, or, or places you've been? It's kind of a, it's kind of an enjoyable sort of nostalgic trip through your life in some ways. So uh, that's kind of that's kind of cool. So so tell me a bit more about how you started to see. Well, first of all, let me ask you a practical question. How have you found okay. the flashcards uh, in terms of helping you remember things? Oh, it's the flashcard I have to do every day. It's my number one priority in the in my yeah. Chinese learning <laughs> journey. I have to do the flashcards every day. I have to do the flashcard, flashcard, flashcard. I was yeah. sick last week. Uh, it was nine o'clock at night, uh, putting my baby to sleep. I was knocked out by antihistamine. And I just woke up at 12 o'clock. Like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? I have to do my Anki. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, I always want to get people to understand. It's like eventually Anki will just become like brushing your teeth. It's not, it's not even going to be, it's just like, of course I have to do this. And like when you, uh, uh, the, the biggest mistake that I think that I made when I was learning was I spent too much time on the sentence level and I didn't expand a bit. But Anki is like, it, it, it just... Everything that comes up, it's always like, it always feels like, oh, yeah, yeah, good thing I saw that just now because <laughs> I remember it still, but I might not have remembered if, it, if I went a few more days, you know? So uh, yeah. it's, it's really amazing, all that SRS technology. So that's good to hear. I mean, I, it's also completely expected because SRS is like way older than anything Mandarin Blueprint has done. So uh, I'm very aware yeah. that that's very effective. But so how about you know, so the course goes in phases, obviously, and you're in phase mm -hmm. five. You're actually the first person on a on a case study that's made it all the way to phase five. So oh, really? for people who were yeah. on, at least on the case studies anyway, um, there's people who <laughs> finished the course. But so anyway, so the um, the phases for anybody listening who's not aware, phase one is focusing on radicals and characters. Phase two moves into more how to remember vocabulary words using images and personal connections. And then phase three moves into putting those vocabulary words together to make sentences, simple sentences at first. And then phase mm -hmm. four goes into paragraphs and dialogues and opinions. And then phase five into uh, full stories there, you know, maybe two, maybe only two paragraphs, maybe five paragraphs around there. So can you tell me about uh, the progression through the phases and, you know, how that did it feel natural? Did it feel as, um, as if you were growing uh, naturally on what you already have learned? Okay, um, maybe I'm different in that sense, in, in the sense mm -hmm. that I really do not like top-down words. Like if I read something, I want to make sure that I understand everything first before reading right. like a huge chunk of paragraph. So what I'm doing right now is finish all the characters first and then go back to like level 21 and oh. like effortlessly, effortlessly read everything like oh okay I know all this right, <laughs> and right, right. start to enjoy the content because I think 
uh, Mandarin Blueprint Method has a lot of good like content uh -huh. with like native speaker voices. I'm sick of TTS because oh, it's yeah, so yeah. unnatural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, and it's very hard to get um, native audio for, for, for stories, like longer audio for yeah. stories. Yeah, so that's how I do it. So I go back to the sentences and read everything back. So in terms of mm -hmm. reading stories, I'm, I, I run through it. And then I see all these top down uh, top down words that I do not know yet, but mm -hmm. even 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 if there are two or three words in a, in a paragraph, I could understand it. Yeah, right. But right. maybe maybe not confident enough to know what it means like hundred percent because sometimes you're guessing yourself. Oh, oh, do they mean this or do they mean that? Because the English translation is not provided mm -hmm. at that mm -hmm. level. So you're yeah, second exactly. guessing yourself, like, oh, okay, is it is it this one? Is it this one? Right. So sometimes I just copy it to go translate and see. Oh, okay, okay. So well, I some good news on that yeah. front. We've just uh, we've just added all of the English translations for all the sentences from level twenty six <laughs> to thirty six. Uh, or I should say, we finished them. We now have to officially add them to the Anki cards and to the actual course platform. But they're finished. So good news on that front. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that uh, the way you're going about it by focusing on the characters first and then going back and, and doing it that way is a perfectly valid way to do it. As a matter of fact, that's how I would do it if I were doing it. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, we like the idea of being able to say, okay, well, you can just expand right into words, into sentences, into paragraphs if you want, but they're kind of like branches of a tree, you know, so the yeah. trunk of the tree and where the real you know, foundation and the roots of the tree is, is definitely the characters. So if mm -hmm. you kind of master them first and you know, okay, I can definitely recognize how to say, write, and, and read the meaning of th these 600 characters, then when you go back mm -hmm. and start reading sentences, it's just like, oh, such understanding. It's just comprehensible input yeah. all over the place. It's exactly what you want to acquire any language. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's yeah. cool. So, like, that's great to hear that you're doing it that way. I like to, that people get to hear somebody having success with that type of approach of doing characters first and then kind of going back and doing more of the, uh, the sentences from there. That's cool. That's great. So um, these, now that you've gotten so good at this method, cause it's like when you submit scenes, which first of all, thank you for submitting all these scenes because you don't have to, you could always just, you know, you uh, leave it I in your you. own <laughs> your brain, but we appreciate Imagination, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that anybody on the course really appreciates it too. Uh, but, now you've probably gotten pretty fast. So if you were able to say like, you know, on average, how long does it take you to learn a single character? It depends on the keyword. If it's a solid <laughs> keyword, if it's an object, maybe very, very quick, like half a minute. Yeah. So as long as the keyword connection is there, the mm -hmm. scene goes by very, very fast. Um, sometimes it's too fast that like, oh, oh how am I going to write stories around this, this scene? Yeah. Because yeah. I really want to write something. Um, uh, so like writing, okay, for, like I, I call those stories extended scenes, right? So yeah. um, I, I do not want to appear as if you have to have all these elaborate scenes in order to remember a character. It's very, very fast to remember a character. Uh, for example, the past, uh, one of the last story I wrote was Fang Pian De Pian. I managed mm -hmm. to include, uh, so there's Jabba the Hutt, there's Jason Momoa, there's Beyonce. Uh -huh. I managed to include two Star Wars references, one pun, <laughs> and like five objects inside there that is related to the word Pian. Like, it, like <laughs> and the scene yeah. lasted like half a minute as well. So, 
um, it's not it's not really hard to 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 uh, come up with a scene actually if they are all logically connected. Very hard, very easy to remember as well. So yeah, yeah. And if you're taking the approach that you're taking, which is to first focus a bit more on the characters, then it actually makes sense to have more elaborate scenes because, you know, if, if you move from character to word to sentence to paragraph to story quickly, then you have other things to help you remember the character. Like you have the character in the context of the word and in the sentence and all of that. But if you only do the characters at first, then you have a little bit less of that. And you still have Anki, so you're still probably going to remember everything anyway. But... Uh, <laughs> You can it, you can make the scene a little bit more elaborate, so it doesn't need that other context. But um, and that's actually how the top-down words, like you know, it's it's hard to know exactly what the right amount is to have, and it's good to hear your feedback about that. That you know, maybe at certain points we can have a little bit less, a little a few, some fewer top-down words. But the uh, if you are looking at top-down words in the context of a full story, there's more opportunity mm -hmm. to figure out what it means as opposed to just seeing it like by itself. If you saw it by itself, you'd have no idea what it means. And then if you saw it yeah. in just a sentence, probably it would be kind of tough to understand. But then, you know, you get a little bit further out and it's like, okay, well, this story has, you know, one of the stories that Annie wrote is has a bunch of uh, fairies in it. And it's like, well, yeah. that word... <laughs> for fairy and the seven fairies. It's like, it's not like that's the most important uh, word, but you figure it out by the end of the story. Cause it's like, well, it comes up a lot. And that's kind of, that's really how acquisition works. Once you get a solid enough foundation, you know, when I'm reading these days, any new word I come across, you know, at first I might be like, what's this word? Should I look it up? But I often find if I just keep reading, it becomes obvious what it means not too long into it because you have so much context. But uh, if you're learning just character by character, then elaborate scenes is a way to kind of make up for that context. And so, you know, when you are learning, you know, you're thinking of your visualization, you're thinking of your mnemonic, it strikes me that you, you must have a very kind of relaxed attitude because you come up with all of these very <laughs> cool ideas. And we always encourage people, you know, relax, relax. Just when you go into the, your memory palace, just sort of like see what comes up and kind of discover it almost as opposed to like trying to force it to happen. Is, does it, is it feel like it's a natural process and then kind of a relaxing process? Or do you feel like you're putting a lot of your, you know, hard earned will into it or whatever? <laughs> so um, a couple of years back, um, I saw that TED talk by Joshua Ford. Uh, regarding memory palaces. Yeah. So I yeah. listened to his book. Listen to his book. That's a keyword. I didn't I didn't read his book. Uh, right. and and I figured out that oh actually I do have um those imaginary friends in my head um doing things and if uh, to remember medical stuff. And mm -hmm. if people find out that I have all these funny funny things in my head, they're gonna refer me to psychiatry or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm, 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 but, but I had that experience of creating scenes in my head before. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, uh, transitioning to Mandarin blueprint method, it was quite an, I wouldn't say effortless. It just takes a bit of tweaking. Like this actor mm -hmm. have to be here, and and why is he there, and things like that. But right. creating yeah. the scenes, um, they are not really. Um, I wouldn't say it's effortless, but it's very enjoyable for me. Yeah. yeah and yeah. writing. And, and another, another, another thing that I really, really enjoy is expanding the scene so that other people could enjoy. Because I listened to uh, one of Chad's scenes one of, uh, in my early days. And that was so funny. Oh, my God. I, I, yeah. I couldn't. I, I remembered his scenes better than my own scenes. <laughs> and I realized I might, might, as well, might as well write something that is so good that other people uh, find it effortless. 
to remember yeah. a character by remembering my scenes rather than them have to like uh, struggle exactly. to come up with their own scenes. Yeah, you know, we've gotten so many uh, submissions, especially props, you know, suggestions for props. Like uh, it's now at least, you know, 700 uh, prop suggestions that have come in. And like, it's so amazing to see that because how easy is it if you have 10 possible suggestions? It's like, oh, well, that one speaks to me and you just go with that. And then it takes away a lot of the unnecessary creativity. Like there's always going to be a little bit of creativity in there, but if you can take away as much as possible, then, you know, that'll be, you know, one of the things we really want to do. And it's, it, we don't have the funding to do it yet, but we would like, love to make an app where, you know, once you submit, this is going to be my prop for, you know, uh, the, the character Xiong, or this is going to be my actor for, it's going to be, um, Shakira for XI, then when it comes up again, it'll actually say Shakira on the screen in the app. Uh, so that'll be kind of cool to take, again, take away those little things so you can just get down to the main thing, which is the personal connection that you can exactly. find to the character. So that's- I uh, stole a lot of other people's scenes as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, why not? If it works, it works, you know? It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how. I mean, like the, the, the rote learning is the enemy really, because that, that's the one that's so boring, so. Um, so I, uh, you know, you've gotten to a point where you're at 33, uh, at level 33. So that's some, you know, around 500 characters or so, if I'm recalling correctly. Mm -hmm. um, and so at this point, how do you feel about, you know, what you've achieved so far? And like, do you, have you found it coming up in your life at all? Have you, I mean, there's probably some Chinese characters around. I'm sure they're traditional characters in Malaysia, but like, have you noticed anything in your life that's sort of, uh, any achievements so far in your actual day-to-day -day life? Okay, so I, I will share a story. So last <laughs> week, I went to a job interview just to fill up time, just want to see where I stand. Um, it's not for a medical job, it's actually for a programming job. I was actually a programmer for almost a decade before I went to medical wow. school. Hence why I'm here. Apparently, yeah, it's cool. a big hit among engineers, this, this course. Um, mm. So I went for, for an interview. My programming skills were very, very rusty. So I failed the programming test. So the yeah. interviewer asked me, so what have you been doing for, for, for the past couple of months? Did you take any online course? Uh, did you upgrade your skills or anything? I said, um, yeah, I learned Chinese. And then she, was, she had this skeptical look in, his, in her face, like, okay, really? Like, how? Yeah, okay, like, okay, six yeah. months. Okay, what can you do in six months? So I did a, a, a self-introduction. I butchered mm -hmm. my tones. And the Mandarin that they use in Malaysia is different than the Mandarin they use in China. So in China, I, guess I spoke uh, standard Mandarin. And in mm -hmm. Malaysia, they have a certain, uh, there are a few differences between uh, Mandarin in Malaysia and Mandarin in China. So I came on as someone who's very like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm speaking a standard Mandarin, like, um, like, mm. like talking down on that interviewer. Like, um, oh, and, no. <laughs> and that did not, it's like, oh, I, I love all this high-level high level pronunciation and you guys are, mm -hmm. are speaking street Mandarin kind of thing. But, yeah. but then, but I, I, didn't, I didn't do it well because I did not start speaking until like about in eight, uh, two, two and a half months ago. I started with reading and writing first. Mm -hmm. I started with Duolingo first and then reading and, reading and writing, reading and writing. And mm -hmm. I only started uh, getting a teacher two, two and a half months ago. So I, I totally... Like I, I did not impress her at all with my Mandarin. But then um, I wrote in my resume that I, I write better Mandarin. I, I write better than I speak. And mm -hmm. she was like, really? Really? Mm -hmm. She was really skeptical. And what I meant by writing was typing it. 
on a keyboard or typing on my phone. But okay. <laughs> but okay then uh, she she gave me a piece of paper and she said, yeah. "Can you write?" So I'm like, "Okay, I have to write now." So I wrote everything. I wrote characters I knew like one to ten. I wrote um, mm-hmm. like quite uh, like difficult characters like Watney and mm-hmm. a, a cat and a lot of things. And 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 she was really really impressed by my mm. writing the stroke order and things like that it's such a it's such a weird situation where like i had someone who was more impressed with my written mandarin with my knowledge of character more than my spoken mandarin because in china sure. is i i think it's not like that if you can see ni hao people get oh really your, your english is, your chinese is very uh, good yeah i mean i <laughs> i found people are very people are very impressed when you can uh, read and write because it's almost like they didn't even think that you were even going to try to do that. It's kind of funny. Exactly, it's like, yeah. <laughs> so when you try to speak at all, they're like, oh, cool, you're trying to speak. Like, they're so friendly about it. This is quite nice. But then, okay. but then, you know, you show that you can read and write, and they're always just like, it's like they didn't think that that would even be a thing you would consider trying to do because they just figured it would be too hard. And so, uh, exactly. yeah, that's something that uh, is, is quite satisfying. And, and for what it's worth, I did the exact same thing when I started learning Mandarin. I focused a lot more on... Uh, reading and writing at the beginning and uh, you know I don't really you know, I wish I'd focused more on pronunciation specifically at the beginning mm-hmm. like learning how to say things properly like we teach in the pronunciation mastery course but it's more I was actually just felt I just felt very um, I've, I have no regrets about that because what that did was it gave me the foundation to get the right input and then later I just wanted to speak and so now speaking is like so easy and it comes what what happens is um you know when you build up enough input then speaking is like every single time you speak it feels like there's new vocabulary words that come out um that you're activating essentially and so uh if you've already got 500 characters down you're definitely you're well on your way and as you keep reading you know you'll just want to speak you'll just naturally want to and sure you'll you'll have the thing that happens when you first start to speak which is that like you shoot and miss sometimes like you go <laughs> to say a word and like it just comes out wrong <laughs> you know like you, you meant to say <laughs> you know uh ni hao and you say like ni hao or something like that but still uh it's uh it do, does nonetheless it's like you what to say is not the problem it's like you know what to say because you've been getting the right amount of input and so then it just takes a little bit of, you know, pronunciation tweaking and fluency in terms of like, okay, I spoke all day. So right now I'm getting everything right. I'm getting my, my tones on the sentence level correct. I've got my tone of voice correct. And, you know, it's, that's, that's always just time and practice, but it's not as long of a, uh, a period as building up your passive vocabulary. You know, creating active vocabulary is always much faster than building up the passive vocabulary. So, yeah, you're well on your way. Okay, cool. uh, I think so, it's, it has to do with your personality as well. So if you're an introvert, it's it's much more pleasurable to just sit inside your house and read and listen yeah. rather than to talk yeah. to people. Yeah, I've always had the problem of that. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like I'm extroverted in the sense that I like being around people, uh, but I am I'm shy. So like I'll not really want to necessarily initiate a conversation with people, which is obviously a yeah. challenge when it comes to uh, learning a second language. But, you know, it's there's also this, because Chinese people are so friendly about it, I'm always like, well, you know, the worst thing that'll happen is that they'll, you know, not totally understand me, but think that I'm uh, cool for trying, you know? And then now it's gotten to the point where it's like, oh, I didn't really say that right. Huh? That's funny. I'll just like, you know, I'll say it a different way. And then uh, you figure it out. And like, you know, one of the things I always advise people when they're speaking is just don't, uh, harp on 
why something didn't work. Just say to yourself, oh, that didn't work and try something else. And then harp on the mm. things that do work. When you say something and someone understands it, go, okay, that works. Keep that in my you know, back pocket. But don't worry about it when somebody doesn't understand you. It's like, okay, just that didn't work and move on. Uh, sometimes people will try to analyze it too much and go like, well, why didn't it work? Why can't you say it this way? And it's like, well, there are infinite ways to say it wrong. So like, don't worry about it. Like, what's the point in analyzing one of the infinite ways? So, um, so yeah, that's cool. All right. Well, um, so then a, a question I always want to ask is, you know, when mm. you were doing it, uh, obviously you had read Moonwalking with Einstein by Joshua yeah. Farr. So like you weren't probably skeptical of the idea that, um, you know, mnemonic visualization can be really effective for me memorizing yeah. <laughs> things. But was there anything that you were skeptical about in the course when you first started out? I was skeptical on whether I could retain all the scenes in my head. Uh, whether mm -hmm. I could trust my brain, whether I could relax and say, that, okay, I have to remember 700 characters by um, next month or next two months. And, but once I learn uh, how to relax, it's just there. The characters are just there. It's just, but, and it's okay to, one thing that I learned was uh, it's okay to forget. In fact, it's part of um, language acquisition is uh, for you to forget things and uh, recall and forget and recall. And the, the next time you recall something, the connection is going to get uh, even stronger. So it's okay to forget things at this level. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Just like letting, it's sort of a, there's sort of a freedom in that just going like, hey, it's fine. And also, I mean, I found when I did uh, my time at university that I never like crammed for exams because we all know that cramming is not very effective. You lose most of the stuff that you cram into your brain. Uh, so I always wanted, I always used Anki and uh, I just, I did tend to get the about a 90 to a 95% on the tests, which is exactly the spaced repetition software like promise. It's like the research shows that the, if you do these intervals, you should retain things at about a 90 to 95% rate. But Five to ten percent out of you know, let's say the several thousand things that there are to study in the Mandarin Blueprint method. It feels like a lot if you like put them all together. You know what I mean? It's like hundreds of things yeah. that you forgot at least once, and yeah. sometimes you forget things a few times. But it's like yeah. yeah, because we're not perfect. Like the best thing we can do is get you know pretty close. But the human mind is still going to forget things. We're still going to not quite attach something perfectly. You know, we're not like you know, we get tired, we get a little bit less creative one day. And so it's almost like, I think that's great advice. What you're giving is just sort of like, it's okay, whatever, just make a mistake. And then the next time you do it, you'll, you know, I think Julian uh, Laffey, one of our other uh, case study um, people, he said that it's like, or maybe it was William that said this. <laughs> I'm mixing up which one of them said this, but William, I think it was William who said, it's like a brick falling off a house. But the house is still there. You just you just put the brick back on as opposed to, you know, having a foundation of sand. Um, but uh, so that's really cool. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, so you I guess your skepticism was uh, eventually you realized because I mean, I know that feeling like I've had people say like, what are we going to remember 3000 scenes to remember the 3000 <laughs> characters? That's outrageous. But it's like, but it's not like you learn them all at the same time. You learn them on a day in a certain situation when you're in a certain study session and then you review them at those perfect intervals. So it's actually, it's the alternative is to write 3000 characters each a hundred times, I guess. And so you write what 300,000 characters. <laughs> that sounds a lot more horrifying to me personally. So, you know, yeah, cool. So, uh, 
I guess obviously we always want now I will say this before we um before I ask this question as I mentioned before we've updated the translations we've uh you know fixed a bunch of little like clerical errors that we made throughout the course and we're about to make a big update to everything but you know apart from that do you have any suggestions for how we could uh improve the course or anything that you think is lacking or you know otherwise that we could um you know work on improving I think someone requested it before is to have the audio inside the course itself rather than on Anki. For oh, example, okay. yeah, for example, if I really want to hear a sentence, I have to go, I have to like copy the word to Anki, find the sentence and then click play and then, oh, that's how it sounds like. Because I just, just about right. getting the input because I like reading and listening at the same time. Um, yeah. So having, having the audio beside the sentence would help a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. I mean, I, I think that what we would have to do is is upload uh, a video that's audio only, essentially, and make that sort of the video of the particular lesson. <laughs> it's just the recordings of that, because unfortunately, there's not like a embed uh, audio file thing in, in our platform. But that is a good idea. Um, that would be a relatively big project, but that's a good idea to make <laughs> it a bit more engaging. So yeah, good suggestion. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. That's, that's a good idea. Um, and I really appreciate like um, uh, Jerry's voice because it's very hard to get a clean male um, native voice in online courses. They're usually female, younger female yeah. that do not match my the pitch mm -hmm. of my voice. So it's very hard to shadow. So mm -hmm. I find it a lot easier to shadow Jerry rather right, than um, to um, to study uh, to, to shadow Jerry. any female yeah mm -hmm. a female sure. native speaker yeah. Really appreciate yeah, that. Actually. He has a relatively high voice, even for yeah. So it's like I I can see that. And Jerry, yeah, he has got uh, of all of uh, our Chinese friends here. Jerry has such naturally standard Mandarin when he speaks. You know, I mean, he can speak Sichuan dialect, of course, but when he speaks with us, he speaks Mandarin. It's very, it's just very nice and clean. So it's always been super easy for him to to do that. So that's that's good feedback to hear. I'll be sure to tell Jerry about that. Um, and uh, so cool. So any um, any other suggestions uh, that you know besides the putting the audio in the actual platform? Um, what else can I think of? Oh, after level twelve, it gets really really lonely in the course. Yes, we get email. <laughs> of course, we get email after 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 finishing a level. But sometimes it takes about one week to finish a level. Sure, and sure. sometimes in the middle, you lose motivation. So sometimes, right. um, if I feel like. I need some motivation. I just go to pronunciation mastery and look for any um, motivational talk by you or right. Luke, and then just replay it back. And say, okay, I can do this. Yeah. I can do this, <laughs> and then yeah. um, I'll go back to my course. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's definitely you know one of the things that we're going to do soon is uh, uh, we've written the emails now for all of the. Uh, when you finish each level, we've written all the emails for the thirty-six levels, and uh, but we're going to also use those to be a bit. Um, you know, you know, to make some level review videos. And then, you know, I've also, it's, it's occurred to us that that, like you said, sometimes it might take a week to finish a level or longer if you have less time to spend yeah. on it. So maybe we'll put something mid-level as well. Uh, and of course there's lots of little, there's so many little things we could do, but it's always a question of, do we improve the course, you know, as it is, or yeah. do we keep expanding it? And our feeling at the moment is that, you know, while like the course has obviously gotten great feedback, so it's not like it's a bad mm -hmm. course. So we're like, all right, maybe we should it's focus not, more not. on the expansion first because we want to be we want people to be able to get all the way. You know, we want people to get to the point where they're inputting HSK six level content uh, easily. And so 
if we're going to do that, we got to expand the character count. And uh, we're, we're, we're doing pretty well with that, though, so far. We have a good, uh, you know, it's still going to be a little bit because it's so many things to consider. But our, uh, our corpus that we're working with, it's, you know, billions of characters. It's kind of awesome to figure out the frequencies and then how to set them together. It's, it's quite a fun little game to figure all that stuff out. <laughs> And I think that, and you can definitely be involved in this when we start to do this, when we get the levels prepared, what we'll probably do is just an idea I had was to have some uh, private live streams where we get, you know, people like you or William or Sydney or people who are, you know, frequently on the course to kind of join us and help us make suggestions for new props or keyword connections or things like that so that we can kind of preemptively use more than just myself and Luke's brain to figure out the suggestions and that could be pretty cool. So maybe we can get people involved in the course expansion a bit more, but we're going to, we're going to set the order first and setting the order is obviously a, a big task, but once we've done that, yeah. you know, it could be pretty cool. So awesome. So I guess our final question is just, uh, would you recommend Mandarin blueprint to somebody who's looking to learn Chinese? Yeah, I would definitely recommend it to someone who's, who wants to learn Chinese and especially to someone who has the time because uh, you need at least an hour every day to do your reviews. You need to do the work. Like yeah, yeah. you have the blueprint is not enough. You have right, to do right. work. But if you're motivated enough, if you are, if you are, um, if you're willing to spend the time, the attention, and if you're willing to do the work, then yeah, definitely Mandarin blueprint is for you because mm. I can see how people, uh, like try to do a couple of characters and they said, oh, it's too hard for me. I'm going to drop out. Um, but if you just, just, just soldier on for a couple of uh, levels, it's, it becomes like, it, it's so effortless that it's such a waste that uh, people are not introduced to this method a lot earlier. Because mm -hmm. when I, when I first, when I first um, learned about this method, I learned about it from your podcast. I was typing Mandarin in podcast. I was expecting um, a Mandarin, a Chinese uh, podcast. And then it was all in English. I was like, what is this? <laughs> I was yep. in the props and actors and, and sets. But then, but then you guys mentioned about the memory palace and stuff. Oh, those are the things that I, I, I knew about. And then it got really interesting. That's why I joined the course. But, right. but uh, yeah, if you're willing to do the work, that's definitely for you. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree. I think an hour a day, I mean, you know, that's not to say that, I mean, as Katsumoto would say, doing one thing is infinitely more than doing zero things. But yeah, as a general, as a general rule, you know, an hour a day to commit to your Mandarin learning. I mean, that it, I always remind people, it's not really about Mandarin blueprint specifically. It's just that <laughs> Mandarin is a big task. It's like learning any yeah. language is a fairly big task. And Mandarin's a bigger language than most because you have to learn the characters. So, Definitely. you know, you have to commit some reasonable level of time to it. And an hour a day, the thing that's amazing though, is that in the past, an hour a day on Mandarin would not be nearly enough uh, with the previous exactly. technique. Now yeah. an hour a day, yeah. could, you know, you can make some serious progress. And, uh, you know, we actually have this, um, there's a, an Egyptian uh, woman named Sandy doing our course right now for to do an HSK3 challenge. She's going to see if she can pass mm -hmm. the HSK3 after 65 days. And nice. she is doing four hours a day on it, right? So like I, wow. I took <laughs> her on, a, on Quora uh, and she had said, is it possible okay. to pass HSK3 in, in two months? And I said, I think it's possible, but only under these conditions, right? And yeah. I was like, if you're really committed, it sounds like you're right in the spot where you are will willing to make Mandarin like your main priority. And uh, so she's been doing it. She's not yet halfway through uh, her time. 
and she's all ready mm-hmm. to lesson 1000, which is we have 2000 lessons. So wow, like, that's great. Really, yeah. Really great to see. I mean, so if somebody's really yeah. committed, like they want to do four hours a day on it, which most people can't, we recognize that, but like, it's still, you, know, you can do an hour a day and make really significant progress, you know, six months or a year. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. So that's, uh, that's awesome. Well, EJ has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And I, uh, uh, for anybody who would like to try out the Mandarin blueprint method, we will make a coupon code called be like, <laughs> so be like IJA and that'll be 30% off uh, any of the subscriptions or the lifetime access to the Mandarin blueprint method. So thank you so much, EJ. We really appreciate it. And you've contributed a lot. We're very grateful. And uh, we hope that you continue to have a lot of success with uh, Mandarin moving forward. Thank you very much.